Hey everybody, welcome to A Voice in the Wilderness. Today I'm here with Pastor Keen, Pastor Ray, better known as Pastor Ray. Most people call you Pastor Ray. Yeah. So uh, we are coming to the end of 2020 huh. and it's just been, you know, I've been, I'm writing an article for Woods and Water and I'm writing about, you know, the year of 2020 because by the time it comes out, it'll be January, right. so it's going to be the new year. And I would, I was just thinking about you know, this is this is kind of the concept I'm writing about. We say hindsight's 2020, which is perfect yeah. vision, and the year was 2020, and so I'm just kind of the whole concept is, what are we going to learn from 2020? You know, so yeah. <laughs> that's kind of where my mind's been for the last couple of days is, you know, and I think about and this is kind of the direction I'm going with that is, you know, when you look back through Scripture, you can go through just about the entire Old Testament especially, and you just see where the nation of Israel would get to a good a good place, and then they would turn from God, and they would crash. Yeah. And then they would, and it just is almost like a roller coaster story of ups and downs for the nation of Israel. And right now, I just feel like we're in a free fall morally in our country. Right. And I'm kind of watching, and what I would think, the, the, you know, the United States of America kind of heading down that same path. Because we're kind of turning as a culture, as a country, and as a government, for the most part, we're we're kind of pushing away from God, and I'm kind of starting to see some of the consequences of the fact that we're taking him out of school and yeah. all the things that we're doing. So that's just kind of been on my heart, and you know, I know you you were just saying before we got on the air that um, that's kind of where God's got you right now. Yeah, so absolutely. let's just kind of let's kind of see what God does with this and where He takes it, because you know, like. Kaysen said, I had Kaysen Bicknell on here the other day, and he said, I knew you weren't going to tell me what we are going to talk about. <laughs> but, Until right before you got on. That, that way you know it's truly from the Lord. Right. <laughs> I have no so, time to put it together. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you know how it is yeah. as a pastor. You know, sometimes I'll, you know, when I, when I preach, I will absolutely just spend hours getting ready. Yeah. And I'll walk up and get ready to speak, and God will say, Going not, different direction. You're not talking about any of that. <laughs> yeah. And you're just like, man. But it always turns out to be some of the best, uh, you know, the best messages that God's yeah. given me. So, but, uh, so what's God been laying on your heart, man? Yeah. So, you know, I saw, you know, sometimes you see like that timeline loop on your Facebook. And I saw one that said, I, I'm assuming it was talking about our building plan or something that said 2020, it's going to be the most remarkable year yet or the best year yet. <laughs> like, boy, I was like, man, did I miss that one? That must have been some bad pizza. What a year we've had, you know? And so like that got me thinking, you know, and like initially I was like, yeah, man, this year has really stunk. It's been bad. But if you, if you go back and you look, it's not been all bad. It's revealed things inside of us and things about us that, we otherwise wouldn't even known it it has revealed identity flaws in the church it has revealed you know cultural uh issues that we need to work through and address it has revealed you know kind of how we feel about certain things that otherwise sometimes we're just kind of glossed over and things that we knew that we didn't always know and so like what got me thinking was you know a lot of times in life you know, you were talking about the children of Israel, and that's so fitting because we go back to the same perpetual state, you know, of arriving, falling, declining, repenting, arriving, falling, declining, repenting. And it's just, it's the same process over and over and over again. Yep. And I was thinking, when I was thinking about the story, I was thinking about when I was a kid growing up, you know, like my family, some, well, my, my ex brother in law, he used to like the, 
play darts. And he would always tell us, we were like little guys, like, hey, don't play with these darts. These darts are dangerous. They'll hurt you. And, of course, what we do, we grab the darts and we're playing with them. <laughs> and, you know, we're throwing the darts, throwing the darts. I mean, just recklessly throwing the darts, not thinking about it. And I, I floated one in the air, nowhere near the dartboard. And the thing flew in the air and went right into my nephew's shin, like just the dart right into his shin. And it was like, yeah, well, that was my face. That wasn't his face. His face was a little bit different, you know, because he had a dart sticking out of his shin. And, you know, I as I was thinking about it, I was laughing about the story. And I was like, you know, in life, that's what we do. We, we throw darts recklessly. And we're, we're trying to hit a mark, but it's just so reckless. And what happens is it winds up causing more chaos in our life because we're just recklessly tossing darts here or there. And really, as a result, causing pain and hurt. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I, it's, it's so true what you're talking about. And that's what I'm talking about in the article. I'm saying, you know, at what point do we learn? You yeah. know, what, hindsight's 2020. Well, really and truly, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if it was 2020, we wouldn't be continuously going through these patterns. And when Crystal and I are working with married couples, you know, I'll, I often I'll say, this is like a circle. This circle that you guys are in, I said, you know, there's a behavior that you will do that'll spawn a behavior that yes. that he does. And then he acts a certain way that makes you act the way that you acted before. And you, you guys are in just this perpetual, perpetual circle. Yeah. And I said, it's somewhere... Somewhere along the line, somebody's got to be willing to, to break the cycle yes. and do something different so that you can get a different result. And I'm, I mean, I was sitting with my mentor yesterday, you know, George Kearse is, um, he's in his mid seventies and I've been meeting with him for 11 years and man, I love this guy. And he was just sitting there and he was talking to me and he said, I've got so much to learn. That's what he told me. And I'm just sitting across a desk from him. I'm going, if he's got a lot to learn, I'm in deep <laughs> trouble, <sure>. man, <laughs> because this guy is – For sure. I mean, he really is just – he's bathed himself in the Word his whole life, and he has this amazing knowledge of the Word. And when I, when I said when, – when he said that, I thought to myself, man, I'm in for it, man. Yeah. If he's got a lot to learn, and I'm only 49, and I've only been walking with the Lord for 11 years, my learning curve is way behind his. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> you know, that, I mean, you know, that's the, you know, that's the thing with so many of us, you know, like we're in this constant state of, you know, trying to arrive to a destination that we're never really going to be at. Right. You know, like we're always trying to go to that next place and, you know, like you hear someone in their seventies and I mean, hopefully it don't take us to our seventies to figure that out. Like, Hey, there's so much about life and so much about this. I don't know. You know, most people, they walk around with this idea that they've got it all figured out when in reality they don't. And, you know, it takes real humility to say what he said right. and to say, you know what? There's so much about life. I still got to learn. There's so much about people, so much about everything that's going on in my life that I got to learn. And that that's kind of what I was thinking about when I was thinking about these reckless darts. That That's what we do. Like we, you know, we're so sure, you know, when I hit my nephew in the shin, I was so sure I was going to hit that board that I just let that thing launch and didn't even care you know, <laughs> right. until it went in his shin. <laughs> that reminds me of a story, man. I was I know this is off subject. We'll get back to the subject. But I, when I was a kid, man, me and my sister were, um, she was, I think she's six years older than me, eight years. I can't remember. But she's a little bit older than me and she was on the phone and I wanted to use the phone. And back then, you know, it wasn't, everybody didn't have a cell phone. Right. Yeah. You, know? you had to wait your turn. Yeah. And so she wouldn't get off the phone. So I shot a rubber band. She was sitting on the phone. I shot a rubber band and I think it hit her 
in the face or the eye or something. <laughs> and uh, she come after me. And she was bigger than me, man. And we had this uh, kitchen table that was round. And I would, I, could, I was faster than her, so I could just keep running around that table. She couldn't get me. Because if she would have got a hold of me, man, she'd have tore me up. <laughs> and so we're running around that table, and she stops. And I stop on the other side of it, and I'm looking at her. And she picks up one of these crystal ashtrays that weigh about 15 pounds, man. And she's got it reared up like she's going to throw it at me. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's going to hurt. <laughs> and she put it down, and she grabbed one of those pair of scissors that are like cast iron, them old black-handled ones, the big long ones. And she grabbed those scissors, and she threw them, and I kind of – leaned back and lifted my leg up like trying to protect myself and they stuck in the side of my in my oh, calf oh my mercy and, and <laughs> big, big old hole <laughs> and my sister tracy that was babysitting us was watching all of this transpire she's like oh my god mom's gonna kill me <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny and i think about you know this we, we are so reckless man we yeah. just you know, even even when you're even when you're so sold out to being a man of god or mm-hmm. a woman of god it's so easy to continuously get reckless with your decisions. Yeah. And, you know, I love the way Paul writes when Paul says you got to take every thought captive yes. and bring it down to the obedience of Christ. And when you think about the process of, of taking every thought captive, man, that is such a, like, it's such a crazy concept because we literally have thousands and thousands of thoughts a day. Yes. How do you do that? And so the way that I've, I looked at that, I kind of just meditated on that about a month ago. And I'm like, how do you? How do you uh, take every thought captive? And then I started thinking about, you know, we are creatures of almost like creatures of habit. Yeah. And if we do something enough, it becomes second nature. We don't have to think about it. So if you learn what God's statutes are and you just continue to operate in them over a period of time, you will automatically start making the decisions that line up with the word. That's right. You know, and that's the thing. Like when I think about it, I think intentionality. You know, like that, most people in their life, you know, like you pastors for a little while, you know, and, you know, they come in and they want to have a conversation with you or counsel with you and you listen to what's going on in their life. Very seldom do they want to address the why. They right. just want to talk about the what. And really what makes life changes is addressing the why. Right. And the why is that they're not intentional. You know, they're, they're not intentional about their thoughts. They're not intentional about their actions. They're not intentional about the things that they're set out to do. And as a consequence, that's that's why they find themselves in that perpetual circle that you were talking about where it's just every day is the same thing. And every decision becomes a reactive decision as opposed to doing, you know, what God has called you to do. And that's why Paul says take every thought captive because, you know, what we have to do is be intentional about the things that God has put on us, we have to be intentional about the decisions that we make and the choices that we make. And most important, I think 2020, you know, probably exemplifies this uh, more than anything else about what we choose to accept as truth. Right. You know, because what happens when you're not intentional, everything that comes at you becomes truth. And sometimes the loudest voice is mistaken for truth. When in reality, it's just the loudest voice. Yeah. I was talking about this in my article. Mm. When I was a teenager, you know, just young and coming up, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have computers. We had, our phones had cords hooked to them. On the wall in the kitchen. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It cost money to call somebody. That's right. So when you were off at college, you didn't have a chance to make that call all the time. (laughs) You had to write letters. 
you know, all you young people, you don't know nothing about all this, but <laughs> it was actually a good thing. So, but anyway, so I think about, you know, when we were younger and how there was very, very few people that spoke into my life. You know, it, yeah. there was very few people, like my mom, you know, my dad had passed, my brothers, my sisters, my coaches, yeah. and my teachers. And that was pretty much about it, man. The, was, yeah, that was that, the voices of your circle. Yeah, that was it. That was all I was really listening to. And so you did not get this this, this inundation of voices all around you because yes. I'm sitting there thinking about what is it like to be a teenager and you're, and you're just kind of trying to figure it all out. And you and you, you literally, you know, my favorite football players, I didn't have any idea if they were Democrat or Republican. Right. I didn't have any idea whether or not they were taking drugs or drinking. I didn't have it. All I knew was I liked to watch them play football on Sunday. That was That's it. it. That was all I knew. Yeah. Now you know whether they like to drink, you know, whether they like to smoke, you know, whether they, you know, what are they partying all the time at the club? Yeah. You know, their opinion politically, you know, are they, you know, what do you know every little detail of what they think? And it influences these people. It influences Absolutely. kids, man. And so that was a, to me, how does the human mind navigate so many voices like this in the, that we have with social media and the internet now? Yeah. That it's almost impossible. And I think for, especially for believers, you have to understand that less is more, you know, and that, and that's what I was getting at when I was saying that, you know, like we accept the loudest voices being truth, even though there, there's really no bearing or no truth to it. And what happens is now we become that reckless dart. That's just out there doing something. We've all been guilty of this. We hear a piece of information now, it doesn't have to be necessarily news, but it could be something that happens in our house, you know, something that happens in our circle. We hear a piece of information. We don't know the whole story. We react to it only to find out later that part of the story wasn't told right. and that we've completely missed. And what winds up happening almost 10 out of 10 times when that happens is that we create more chaos, more pain, more hurt in our life and in our circle. Um, and those are reckless darts. They're just reckless darts that we're just throwing out because we're just reacting. And we, and I think the enemy has found a new way to trap people. See, because when we were growing up, the, the idea of platform was maybe a deck on your porch. People didn't have platforms. You know, the idea of like, you know, my, you know, my page, my cause, like, you know, that made no sense to, uh, you know, that was not even part of our vocabulary. You know, growing up, you know, the idea of having being uh, so like internationally connected, it was, it was almost a foreign concept. I mean, even as far back as 2002, you know, thinking like even with the, you know, Internet and all of that, you you could have never imagined that in 2020, 2021, that we'd be in the place that we're at. And what has happened is because of all those voices, now truth is really subjective to the person hearing it it's it's not what's actually true it's what you perceive as being true it's what i perceive as being true and now truth becomes almost like an objective knowledge and it causes us to react and the reason why we're sowing so much pain out there is because we're reckless in our reaction because we're going from a pay, a place of hey this is my truth i literally have had someone tell me this this is my truth Right. What does that even mean? <laughs> like, like, like if it's my truth, it's truth. No, that's truth has to be truth in of itself, you know, and it, and even inside the church, we have this idea that somehow we can make 
truth and objective knowledge. Like it's, it's subjective to the way I see the world or it's subjective to my experiences. No, truth is truth and everything else is built around it. And we are going to see, unfortunately, if we don't get a handle on it, we're going to see a whole lot more people and a whole lot worse uh, positions than where they are now because they're just like that dart, just recklessly flying off at everything that comes their way. They think they're hitting a mark, but they're aiming at the wrong target. Right. You know, I was thinking about, you know, you're talking about these voices that everybody yeah. that everybody listens to, and I was thinking about how I didn't care what other people thought. And everybody, right. Followers. I think I had, growing up, I had like 12 followers. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that was my family. <laughs> yeah. And I was totally good with that. Yeah. But when you start thinking about truth, one of the things that jumps out at me is I think about whenever Jesus was standing in front of Pilate, you know, and, and Jesus has been uh, captured by this time. He's being right. tried for, you know, for uh, crimes that he actually didn't do anything. He didn't commit any crimes according to uh, the law. And then he stands in front of Pilate and Pilate's wife has already told him, hey, don't mess with this guy. I've had a dream. You know, it's not a good thing. Yeah. Don't mess with him. And and. And then Pilate's standing right in front of Jesus, and he's asking him, are you the king of the Jews and all that kind of stuff? And he asked, he actually says this question. He says, he says, what is truth? Yeah. And I think about that statement, and I think about the fact that the, the truth was standing right in front of him. The truth. Yeah. The truth that lived the truth out on this planet, that lived the perfect life, that never committed sin, that never did anything harmful to human beings that was the truth stood right in front of his face yeah and he did not recognize it and he didn't recognize it because he wasn't looking for it yeah he said he was looking for truth but he wasn't but he wasn't looking for truth and that's the thing i i think sometimes about when i work with couples sometimes i'll tell them i said do you want me to agree with your perspective or do you really want to make things better yeah you know, I, I hear what you're saying, but I kind of think that you just want me to take your side. Right. And I'm not on nobody's side. Yeah. I'm on Jesus' side. I want your marriage to be healed. And the reality is, is that there's enough issues that you've got to deal with and she's got to deal with. If you'll focus on your own issues, you won't pay no attention to the other one's issues. True story. <laughs> so for me, it's like truth is you, you got to have a well that you draw from. Yeah. When it comes to truth, you got to have a foundation that you build on when it comes to your truth. And just like you said, everybody's trying to find truth in all kind of different things now. Right. And they don't want to go into the word and let the word be the, be the foundation of where they dig their truth from. Yeah. And it, that's the scary part is because if you don't have a, a well of truth to draw from, you're in trouble, man, because yeah. then anything can be truth to you. Absolutely. And it, and that's where we're at. That's what it is. Because what happens is I, I have certain ideologies that, you know, maybe they were put inside of me because of the way I was raised, or maybe it's just because, or maybe I chose them because of the way I was raised and I want to be opposite of that. And now because of technology and the information age, I can literally set the parameters and the filters of what's true in my life. And I, it, it's so sad because you see this, a lot. You work with young people, so you know I'm 100% correct in this. You see this so much in young people that they're so passionate about a cause that they have no information about. Right. You know, they're so passionate about something, and their passion is uh, admirable and it's amazing. But they're passionate without information, 
you know, and so ignorance with action only causes destruction, right. you know, and they don't, so they don't have any cognitive understanding about the things that they're talking about. You know, I'll give you a case in point. I was talking to a young person and they were talking about, um, you know, they were talking about the minimum wage increase that's going to happen in the state of Florida. And they were talking about like restaurants and they're like, well, they use McDonald's. They said, well, the McDonald's corporation can afford it. I'm like, you're 100% correct. The McDonald's corporation can afford it, but the McDonald's corporation doesn't own the McDonald's that you eat at a local guy who probably owns two or three McDonald's own them because they buy franchises. The McDonald's corporation buys property and then turns around, subleases that property back out to uh, small business owners. That's how it works. They make their money off the real estate, not off and off the brand. They're not actually making their money off the burger that you buy, you know, and his understanding, not that he, not that the young man was wrong, but he didn't have a full knowledge of the truth of what he was speaking about, right? you know, and, and his passion was admirable, but it's misguided. You know, now that's something simple. Now you take something that could impact generations you know, you take something like your salvation or your walk with Christ or any of those things, you know, you find yourself in a place where you see a whole generation of people who are passionately active without any knowledge whatsoever. And they are reckless darts. And if we, if we as the church, you know, because we can address like, okay, this is where we're at. But if we as the church don't recognize the damage that reckless darts cause and as leaders, how we change that, you know, and change, you know, okay, where do we go from here? You know, where, like, how, okay, how do we get the dart? Cause it's going to fly through the air. How do we get it on target? You know, how, how do we get to hitting that bullseye and get to where we're going? Well, we, we, we've got to get absolute truth to them. Absolute truth to them. Well, I think that what you're talking about, man, this is something just came to my heart whenever you were talking about that. I think that's one of the reasons why we're having so much of a struggle in the church right now of losing so many people to the world. Yeah. Because every year we have more and more teenagers and more and more people walk away from the faith. And you just see this percentage dwindling down of people who say that they identify with uh, Christianity and stuff like that. But this is, this is something I think is so crucial. Reckless darts, reckless dart. And here's an example to me of a reckless dart. A human being that says that they believe that Jesus is the Son of God, but they never take the time to gain the wisdom that the Bible has yeah, to offer. Absolutely. Because, and this is what happens. They go out into the world. They say, I'm a believer. I, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. And they behave much like the world, and they spend a lot of their time in the world. Mm -hmm. And when other people look at them, they're like, wait a minute. I see how you're behaving and how you're acting and what you're doing and the way that you're treating people. But you keep telling me that you're a Christian. And you're not looking any different than anybody else that I've got around yeah. me. That's a reckless dart. Because if you don't understand the importance that a lot of people in this world, like if you're a believer and you're watching this podcast and you're listening to this podcast, I want you to understand that your life may be the only gospel that some people ever right. hear. They may never look at a Bible. They may never go into a church they may never be. Uh, they may never have the gospel actually spoken to them, but you, them allowing you in their in their, in their life might be the only time they ever see a semblance of Jesus. And I also want to tell people out there right now that have been hurt by church people or been hurt by churches. I want to tell you this: Please do not make the mistake of looking to me to see what it's like to be Jesus. Yeah. Don't look to me. 
because I am a human and I'm 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 just like yeah. everybody else. I'm trying I'm I'm working on me full time and I'm trying to keep myself in check when it comes to the way that I'm taught in scripture to live. When you think and you want to learn about Jesus, the Bible is where you look. That's Don't right. look to me. You look to the life of the one that lived it because I'm going to fail you every time. And that to me, that that was the hardest part about being a pastor yeah. was because I wanted to do life with my congregation. I didn't want to just be up there and, and act like I was this guy that was had it all pulled together. I actually wanted to do life, and right. I was willing to talk about my flaws with them. And that was probably the biggest problem I had with my congregations was it was hard for them to accept the fact that they were being led by a man that was having, you know, that was that was basically struggling with life just like they are. That was in the same place. Right. Yeah. You know, the, the challenge, you know, is that we have found ourselves in a place of assimilated Christianity. So, you know, like people come and they see they don't come and do. Right. And so because they come and see, there's very little relationship. And because there's very little relationship, now there's this idea of what you should be. So they don't look at you as a broken man. Now they look at you as, okay, if you're the one teaching, you should be the master of all things. Well, when it comes to this, you'll never master it. Like like your friend said, you're still learning at 74 years old. You know, you're never going to master it. You know, it, it, when we master it, we'll walk into heaven. You That's know, right. if we if we get to that point, we're going to walk into heaven. You'll never master it. And so because and we created this model, not me and you specifically and not even uh, leaders to right now, just over time, because what one generation excuses, the next will abuse. You know, we, we've created this idea of assimilated Christianity that, you know, if you come and assimilate, I will tell you what truth is, and then you do your best to live it out in your life. You know, and it created like this us and them. Well, the rea- the problem is there were so much other, so many other voices, so much other information that has been inundated over the last twenty years. Now, so let let me give you an example uh, of what I'm trying to say here. Twenty years ago, you take a church that had a thousand members and adherents. Their average Sunday attendance was 774. You know, that was a thousand people called that church their home. They were averaging 774 people on a Sunday. The reason why is because most people went to church three to four times a month. 20 years removed, that same exact church that has a thousand members, their average Sunday attendance, 430, mm. 440, because the paradigm has shift. Now, most people go one time a month. You know, why? Because it's not where they're getting truth from. Right. Because they're getting information from everywhere else. That they say, And so they tell themselves, whether it's conscious or subconscious, that's not an avenue of truth that I need in my life. And so since it's not an avenue of truth that I need in my life, I can fill that time slot with something that's more effective for my life, whether it's rest, whether it's going off with my family, whether it's going golfing, whether it's whatever, you know, you insert whatever it is, but you're turning that, that volume of truth out from your life and you're putting other information in. And that is, that, that's leader's fault because we've created this idea of assimilated Christianity that if you come, I'll tell you the truth. Jesus's movement grew not because he told, but because he did. That's right. He walked with them. They saw it. They experienced it. So as leaders, 
if we want to stop reckless darts from happening next year and the year beyond and the year beyond that, not saying that we can't preach our messages. We got to preach our messages. We got to use avenues like this. We got to we got to use whatever vehicle, whatever tools available, you know, to get someone to hear and to see. But what we've got to do is also start doing. We got to start walking it out with people who don't see life the same way we do. Yeah. Who don't see things from the same perspective that we do. We've got to be that shin that takes one of those reckless darts every now and then. Yeah. And, and it's going to hurt. And there's going to be some pain that comes along with that. But we've got to be willing to say, you know what? I'm going to take the brunt of that reckless dart because I'm going to help them get on the bullseye. And the only way you're going to do that is to actually get down there with them because people won't hear. Truth is going to stay relative to their perspective until you change their perspective. You know, so the only way they're going to hear what we have to say is not by the message we preach, but by the life we live out in front of them, the relationship that we have with them, the willingness to say, even though you're vastly different than me, I'm not going to create a divide that says us and them. Right. You know, we're all the same. Your brokenness might not look like my brokenness, but we're still broken. Yeah, I, and, and that's so cool because I love the way you put that because with this political environment that we're in right now, do you know I've had brothers and si- sisters in Christ that have actually removed their uh, block? I don't know if they blocked me, but they've taken me off their Facebook because they don't agree with the views I have politically. Right. And I'm and I'm I'll message it on my look. There is no there's no view that you can have outside of not believing Jesus is the son of God. That's going to cause me an issue with you. Yeah. You know, and that's really not going to cause me an issue, but that's just going to make me want to help you understand. It. Yeah. But there, there, I mean, we've gotten to a place to where not only is, is truth subjective to, to the loudest voice in your life, but we've also gotten to a place to where, um, if you don't agree with me, I can't, I'll turn hang, it off. I can't hang with you yeah. anymore. And look, that's hey, look, that's just, I don't even understand that concept mm. because it's the diversity that makes America so great. Right. You know, to me, when I look around and I coach a football team and there's several different nationalities or several different kind of kids, it's, it's, it's actually a blessing in my eyes. And I remember one time we, when I was working at the school, we had a chapel and I think we had five exchange students and all of them were from different areas and spoke different languages. Wow. And so I had each one of their languages printed up um, with the message that Peter preached at Pentecost when they were speaking in tongues and they were speaking in other languages. And I handed them all out to all of them and I moved them all around in the sanctuary. And I said, when I say go, I want you all to read that out loud, loud, like we can really hear you out loud. So, so uh, we can see what it was like to be at Pentecost when everybody was speaking all these different languages Languages, and sharing the gospel. Man, it was one of the most moving experiences I've ever had in ministry in my entire life. It was just, I I mean, it was one of those supernatural things like a foot washing or, you know, or a baptism or something like that. It was one of those just, you could feel the, you could feel the, the, the supernatural power of God when this was going on. And I was thinking, this was just a little tiny sliver of what it was probably like to hear all these different voices and all these different dialects saying, Hey, Jesus is the son of God. And so for me, I don't, I don't worry about a difference of opinion and and worldly stuff. I really don't. The only thing I'm concerned about is, do you understand Jesus Jesus died for you? Do you understand that he loves you, that he wants to see victory in your life? That's, that's our absolute truth. Yeah. That's my call. That's my core. 
And you know, it's like a, I tell people. It's the I, foundation for us. Right. I'll draw a circle sometimes when I'm talking to people and I'll say, you know, how much of the knowledge of God do you feel like you've attained? Imagine this being, you know, full of the knowledge of God. It's got all the knowledge of God. And how much have you gained at this point? And, you know, when you start thinking about it like that, I mean, maybe a little dot with yeah. a pen. And I'll put that dot in the middle. And then I'll draw just a little cross in it. And I'll say, the only thing that I know for sure that I've got right is the fact that Jesus died on that cross so that I can be set free. Yeah. And I'm going to stay focused on that. And that's that's what matters. You know, for, for me, one of the biggest stories in the Bible that comes to my mind when I talk about reckless darts or think about reckless darts with people is the woman at the well. Right. So this woman was a reckless dart in her society. She... You know, she would, you know, you know, if you don't know the story, I'll help you out. She wasn't with her husband. She nope. was with her live-in boyfriend. She had been through several men. She was pretty much an outcast in her society. You know, she probably had a reputation about her. That's the reason why she was getting water at the noon hour by herself instead of in the morning with the rest of the women. And Jesus is coming along and he decides, I have to go to Samaria. Now, I love that he said, I had to, to go. I had, I had to, to go. go. Yeah. And not I wanted to go, not we should go. He's like, I got to go. And it, and historically speaking, this was an issue of racism. Right. The children of Israel considered them dogs. They did not want to be around them. They, they didn't want to have anything to do with them. They considered them less than themselves. And so they would go out of their way to go around Samaria because they didn't want to be anywhere near Samaria. So here's this woman spending her life throwing these reckless darts. Nobody's coming to help her. You know, she I'm sure in her relationships, she was causing pain in other people's lives too. Wasn't just her who was suffering. Hurt people hurt people. That's right. You know, so I'm sure the Bible doesn't really go into detail about it, but I'm sure she was causing pain in other people's lives. So here she is. And what what I think's remarkable about the story, because a lot of times we talk about her issue, but we don't never really point out the people who were supposed to know better's issue. Right. Jesus told them he was hungry. He sent them on busy work because he knew they couldn't handle it. Right. Sometimes we're so busy doing things that don't matter, quote unquote, for the kingdom, that we can't really do the thing that really does matter because Jesus knows we can't handle it. No. <laughs> and so he sends us to, see, so he goes to Samaria and he comes to Jacob's well. You know, so literally, this is where life is drawn because water is life. That's it's right. necessity for living. So he, so here is life standing right next to where she thinks life comes from, and not really understanding. Like she's got her idea of the truth, and her truth was wrapped around her pain and the fact that she wasn't even supposed to be having a conversation with this guy because of their social and cultural differences. And her first response to him is aggressive and it is defensive and it's everything that anyone who's a reckless dart is going to be. She was absolutely sure she was right. Absolutely sure he was wrong and was bound and determined to put him in his place. But through his conversation, he began to show her about herself, not in a way where he pointed out her flaws, but he began to show her about her struggles about her identity and about what she really wanted in life and how she wasn't achieving it. And she, and he loved her through a conversation. You know, he loved her through, uh, 
basically walking out her journey a little bit with her in the context of this conversation. And here is life sitting on top of what she thought life really was. Right. You know, and here at this moment, she like finally gets it. She has this aha moment with him. And of course, here comes the disciples right on cue. Right. Because that's that's how it works. There's always someone who's more concerned about what side you're on versus where you're at in your journey. And so here comes the disciples right on cue. You know, like, and they're thinking to themselves, and none of them's got the courage to actually say it out loud. Why is he talking to this woman? Why yep. is he alone with this woman? Of all people, a Samaritan. You know, like, why is he even, what has he done? Like, has he lost his mind? And I love the next line. Jesus basically tells him he ain't hungry anymore. <laughs> and just sent him on a day's journey for no reason. But what's remarkable about that woman is she goes back and she really becomes the first evangelist. Right. Because she starts telling people in Samaria, I have met the Messiah. Come discover the man who told me everything about myself. Yeah. You know, he changed her truth and it changed the direction of that dart. It went from being a place of recklessness to now being a place of intentionality. And she began bringing people to the truth instead of causing pain with her life. And if our lives are the darts, the bullseye is always Jesus. Always. It's got to be Jesus. And, you know, it, for a pastor or, you know, for, you know, a leader, I know you say, oh, yeah, sure. Okay, whatever. It's always Jesus. You know, I know it might sound like the cliche Christian answer, but it's always Jesus. He is the absolute truth. And he is the only one that can take you from being in a place where you're a reckless dart to being an effective on target dart. You're throwing something. Where it's going is really where you focus your truth at. Right. Well, you know, you're talking about the woman at the well and something I love about that story. And thank God that John recorded that story yes. because nobody, else, there's four gospels and he's the only, only one, one that records it, which was, he was common for that, yeah. but um, commonly known for that. But one of the things I think about in that story is the fact that, can you imagine what the looks on the disciples' faces were like whenever they showed up Yeah, and how she must have felt when she received those looks? But this was the thing about it. You were talking about how, Water was life at back in that in that time. Yeah. It was it was life for them because it was such a a, de a desert you know desert hot. Yeah, and this is something I thought about. She left her pot. It makes a point to say that she left her water pot yes. at the well, her life source. She left sitting there, went back into town, and picked people and got people and, and brought them back to Jesus to hear the gospel. And I thought about when I was thinking about that one day. I was thinking about. Elijah, I know this is kind of a yeah. different story. Elijah, when he goes up on the Mount Carmel and they're up there and he builds the two altars and you get the false God of Baal. And then you've got, he builds the altar for uh, the God of Jacob. Yeah. And so he says, he says, dig a trench. And he said, don't just dig a trench. I want you to pour water all over mine. Yeah. And this is the first thing I thought about was where in the world did he get water on top of a mountain? Yeah. Now this is the coolest part about that to me. I believe the water that he put on that had to come from the people that had went up there to see the the showdown. Yeah. And this was water that if they didn't have. It was scarce, yeah. They weren't going to make it back home because it was a long journey. And they had to have it to live. Yeah. Now, it had not rained for years. Right. They were in the middle of a drought. 
And Elijah's looking at those that believe and saying, I need your water to prove that we that our God is our God. And so these people had to step out in faith yes. to give him the water that he asked for to put on that sacrifice. And when you start thinking about these little details of how important water was and how important that pot was to her and how important that water was to those on the, on the, on the mountain with Elisha. And you start thinking about the, the sacrifice that people made in these areas and the things that they did. It, it, it you only do that when you taste the truth, when you, yes. when you taste the real truth, you're willing to do, Whatever. Whatever. It doesn't make any difference because you're like, okay. And and that's the thing that all that's going on in our country. I was talking to some young people at a school today and they, and I said, you know, I said, talk to me about what's going on in y'all's heart right now. And all of them, I'm just scared to death. I'm just afraid. Yeah. Just fear, fear, fear. And I gave them the verse of, of in Timothy where it says, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but power of love and sound mind. And I told him, I said, listen to me. I said, you've got to get to the foundation of, your, your source, your source is Jesus. Yeah. And this is the reality. I've never heard anybody. I've been in ministry for, I don't know, probably close to nine years now. Mm-hmm. I've never heard anybody say anything close to this. Hey man, I won the lottery. I bought my second house in Aruba and I met Jesus. Yeah. I had never heard that, but I have heard stories about people being broken. Yeah. People being at the bottom, people being hurt, people being ill, things that are, you know, when, when they feel like they have no hope, and you have an opportunity to hear their testimony, almost always it's a place of desperation where they meet Jesus. And I tell people all the time that no matter what goes on in our country, no matter where we're going, no matter if it doesn't go the way that we want it to go, brokenness always brings people to Christ. Yeah. And if I have to go through whatever to see a mass group of people repent and come to the knowledge of Jesus so they can find the true source of happiness and truth. So be it. That's right. Whatever it takes. Yeah. I'm, I'm just, in, I'm in, I'm just, you know, either you're in or you're out. I yeah. tell people all the time, I'm a black and white guy. I'm yeah. in or out. You know, if I'm in, I'm all in, I'm going to yeah. give you everything I got. If I'm not, <laughs> I'm, I'm moving a, on. I'm, I'm, I'm going to something I can be all in <laughs> That's on. That's right. And, and you know, when I think about this, you know, we talk about this reckless darts and these things like this, man, I just want to encourage everybody out there that there is a truth. Yes. There is a source that you can dig from. There is a, uh, a, a wisdom. I was, I was picking up my deer meat today from my processor and this guy used to be a preacher and he said, man, I'm fixing to make a big decision and I really need prayer. Will you yeah. pray for me, man? Cause you know, I wear my Jesus hats yeah. everywhere and all that kind of stuff. And, um, I wasn't wearing this one today. I was wearing my toboggan back here. Yeah. It's got Jesus on it. And and I sat there and I said, you know what? Why don't we pray right now? Why don't we? I said, let me tell you what it says in James. Yeah. It says that if we ask for wisdom, he will give, give it, it to us, us freely. Yes. You let me tell you what it says in Ephesians. He says that he's got good works for you yes. and that he's prepared everything you need. And I started naming these verses off. And in Jeremiah, it says that he has great plans for you. And all you're doing, man, is you're pointing people to truth. Truth, 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 That's truth, truth. Right. You're taking those darts, those truth darts, and you're going bullseye, 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 bullseye. Because I'm going to tell you, whenever you start throwing those verses out at people, people are like, I didn't even know the Bible said that, man. Yeah. I didn't even know. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. You guys are listening out there. You have no idea how much Christ loves you. You have no idea how much he can help you. You have no idea how much he can change your life. I promise you right now, people say, how do you stay so excited? Because... I live from glory to glory as a believer. It's always yeah. seems to be getting better. No matter how much uh, 
adversity comes my way, it still seems to always work to make things even better and make things even closer to where I need them to be so I can reach people for the kingdom. So I love the word that you've had today, man. I love to talk about this Thank kind you. of stuff and I love what God's laying on your heart. And I tell you, man, um, I'm excited about your building, man. I know Thank you're, you. You're building a building. <laughs> yeah. These guys, I just want to mention that real quick before we hop off the podcast that you guys, are, so tell us a little bit about your build, man, before we go. Yeah, so, you know, God has been so good to us. You know, we were able to um, actually purchase our property in 2017. We had a piece of property and we had a building on it. And we've, you know, praise the Lord, we've maxed out that building. We've literally knocked down every wall that we could that wasn't structural to continue to accommodate growth and space. And, you know, we're just, we're just out of space. So we knew it was time to do something. And so we went and through the process of starting, actually we were supposed to be done with the building by now, but you know, because of everything that happened in 2020, we just kind of slowed the roll a little bit to make sure that, you know, every you know, see what was going to happen. And, you know, now we're back at it full force, you know, so we're getting ready to add uh 2,500 square feet to our existing property, you know, which is going to be absolutely remarkable. I, I jokingly say this, but it's so true. You know, since I planted the church, since we planted the church in 2015, Every place that we've been at that we've had to rent or even the place that we've bought, it's had ugly carpet. Like the carpet's <laughs> just been atrocious. And, you know, not, I mean, you know, I am a little anal, but not to the point to where it's, you know, crazy, you know, as far as like aesthetics. I think aesthetics are important, but I, I'm excited, of course, that lives are going to be changed in the building. But, brother, I can't wait to have some nice new carpet <laughs> like just to have some good man carpet. there's been a lot of churches collapse because of carpet you know somebody i've already wanted... got it in my mind it's not even up for discussion yeah, yeah. <laughs> i tell you it's, i've seen some crazy stuff with all that man in churches but man um so tell them, tell them how to get in touch with you guys so that if they want to come yeah. to church, they can check it out. Yeah, absolutely. You can always give us a call. Our uh, church phone number is 386-200-9197. Check us out online. Uh, our website is www.connectinglakecity.com. Our address is 771 Southwest Thomas Terrace. We're on the west side of Lake City, two and a half miles from I-75. Um, we're also on Facebook, Instagram, you know, all of the social media platforms. We'd love for you to be a part of what we're doing. We're growing church. We're reaching people. We're community-driven church church we believe in helping people set that dart on the bullseye so that's what uh really what we're about you know people are our passion and we make no mistakes or make no apologies excuse me we make no apologies for uh reaching people reaching lost people and we don't believe that no mistake is beyond god's repair so we'd love for you to come check us out be a part of what we're doing yeah that's the truth man and you know what i'm, I'm excited to see what god does with this new building you know, so anyway, if you want to find out more about FCA or the ministry that God's called me and my wife to, you can go to FCAOD.org. That's FCAOD.org, as in outdoors. And um, if you would, click and subscribe so you can get a, a reminder whenever we have a video show up. And if you would, share the video, man, because yeah. um, we're all about reaching people for the gospel. And if this is, this is a platform God's given us to be able to reach people. And the more people that listen to the podcast, hopefully the more people that will find out about the truth of Jesus Christ. So if you would, man, just uh, click on it, share it, and uh, let other people know what we got going on. So we just want to tell you, thank you. Hey, it's your decision. Make the, make the decision wisely. We just want to tell you we love you. Thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. And we will see you later. Thank you for listening to A Voice in the Wilderness podcast with Skipper Hare. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can also learn more about FCA Outdoors by going to fcaod.org.
Check out the Woods and Water magazine, which comes out once a month. Skipper writes an exciting article for FCA Outdoors. You can pick them up in most convenience stores in the Southeast region. Don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel Hair Days Uncut to follow all the podcasts from Skipper and his friends.